In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three, and One who has come into this world and shows us honor. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when I was growing up in the Philippines, there was this other missionary kid. His name was Ben. Ben was an awesome kid. Ben was a good friend of mine. Um, uh, he was right around my same age. And uh, one of the things that made Ben so awesome was that Ben had a very clear picture of what he wanted out of life. And that very clear picture was, uh, was revealed in his answer to the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Ben would, well, he kind of switched, but for a while, he said what he wanted to be was he wanted to be a judge. And we were like, oh, that's interesting, because Ben, you know, he's, he's kind of, you know, he gets in trouble from time to time, um, and, you know, so why would that want to be a judge? And uh, so you would ask him, okay, Ben, why do you want to be a judge? And he would respond, because judges, when they walk into the room, everybody has to get up. And say your honor to them. And then it made sense. We were like, yeah, that fits Ben. Yeah, Ben wants to be the guy who everybody is forced to call him your honor. And that brings up kind of this thing of honor. You know, what, what is honor? When we start thinking about it, what, what is this, this concept that we have of honor? And, and how, does, how do we go about getting that? Because honor is this thing that drives a lot of what we do in our vocations. It drives a lot of what we do in our personal lives. It drives a lot of stuff. But it's pretty rare that we stop to think about what honor actually is and how we receive honor. Because honor, uh, you know, at its basic nugget is, is just respect. And it's respect that's showed to us. And sometimes it's respect that's shown to us because we have a certain vocation or because we have a certain position. Sometimes it's respect that's shown to us outside of that. Sometimes honor is something that we feel like we have to earn. And so we, we have all of this stuff about honor, and really that's sort of our entranceway into talking about the Magnificat. Because when, when we're talking about honor, we have to sort of think about what the reverse of honor might be. And when we're thinking about what the reverse of honor might be, the reverse of honor is not humility. The reverse of honor, rather, is shame. Because you can be honored and still have humility, but you cannot be honored and have shame. Those two things just can't live together. If somebody is honoring you and you feel shameful, you're just not receiving that honor. And so, the opposite of honor is shame. And shame is what we might imagine Mary is feeling at this point in her story. You know, maybe she even knows exactly everything that's going on, and she believes everything that's happening, but she can't escape the eyes. She can't escape the people that are looking at her and wondering. She can't escape the fact that those people are looking at her baby bump and looking at Joseph and then looking back at her and wondering what happened. 
She's got this probably feeling of shame, and that feeling of shame maybe is what drives her to go and visit Elizabeth. Maybe it wasn't even Mary herself. Maybe her parents said, you know, why, why, don't, you, why don't you go? Why, why don't you, you know, kind of go into the Jewish version of witness protection here? You know? Even Luke doesn't tell us exactly where she went. There's kind of this sense of that this trip to go and see Elizabeth is maybe a trip that is all about Mary's anonymity and giving her a little bit of space to breathe because Luke just says that she went to a certain town in the countryside of Judah. It doesn't say which town. It doesn't say where. He just said she just kind of went. And so you can imagine sort of how Mary is feeling in the midst of this. She knows what's happening. She knows that an angel has appeared to her. She knows all of this stuff. But it's hard for her to escape those feelings of shame that she's having when people look at her, the feelings of shame that she's having as she is on the road going to visit Elizabeth. And so she probably tepidly knocks on the door has a little greeting. Elizabeth, you in there? And it's amazing when Elizabeth comes out. First of all, she, she's in there and she, she kind of maybe quietly says, Elizabeth, she has this little greeting. How are you? And then it says that the baby who is in Elizabeth leaps for joy, kicks. You know, babies do this all the time. But there's something about this kick that tells Elizabeth, this is more than just kind of a kick. This is, whoa! This is John the Baptist going, ah, that's the guy. This is John the Baptist before he is yelling at people, before he is spitting all sorts of terrible things at people. This is John the Baptist going, that is the one. That is the one whose sandals I am not fit to untie. That is the one who is coming with a baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit. That is the one. And he does it with just a jump. And that jump, it reverberates into Elizabeth. And Elizabeth pops up. And she runs to the door. And she greets this girl who is beholden with shame with honor. She greets this girl who's probably used to, at this point, looking at her feet as she's walking through the marketplace. She greets this girl who's probably used to just trying not to listen to anybody around her, to hear the trail ends of conversations of people that are talking about her. She greets this girl who is filled with all of this shame, and maybe uh, and unrightfully unright, so, she's receiving this shame, but she's still receiving it. She greets this girl with honor. She greets her and she says, What's the occasion that I get you coming here to be with me? This is great! What did I do that I would be so honored that you, Mary, you, you, teenage girl, pregnant out of wedlock, 
What did I do that you could come and see me? And I'm sure that it just turned Mary upside down. Turned her into the kind of person who then sat down and wrote this song. This song that we still know as the Magnificat. This song that is all about being shown honor. This song that is all about how that honor conquers our shame. Because sometimes shame comes from our sins, but sometimes shame comes from other places. It can come from the accusing looks of others. When we know that we've done nothing wrong, but we know that they think that we did something wrong, we can have shame over that. We can have shame, like Bethlehem of Ephrathah, over being too small, being picked last in the basketball lineup. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being small. Nothing wrong with being Bethlehem of Ephrathah. Nothing wrong, but still there's shame because we live in a sinful world. All of those things that can cause a shame. All of those things that we carry around as shameful inside of our hearts. Maybe they do come from your sin. Maybe that shame does come from a place that you've gone, well, I know that my shame at least is from a sin. I'm not the Virgin Mary. I'm somebody else. Into that God comes into your life and he honors you. Like Elizabeth honored Mary, like he honored Mary by choosing her to be the mother of the Savior of the world. And here's the thing. The Bible never says, and he chose Mary because... It never gets there. You know, it doesn't say he chose Mary because she had a nice face. It doesn't say he chose Mary because she was so stinking righteous. It doesn't even say he chose Mary because she knew that she would believe him right away. All we know is that he chose Mary. He honored Mary. And honestly, brothers and sisters, that's all we need to know. And that's all you need to know. Because here's the thing. He chose you. He chose you to honor. Each and every one of you that has been to a baptismal font, each and every one of you that has received His name being put upon you, His name overshadowing you with His Holy Spirit, His name coming upon you as it did to Mary, saying this, this is mine. This is honored. This is loved. There's no because. There's no because. You you weren't baptized because God thought you were going to be so great. There's not a because God liked your face. 
There's not a because God knew that you were going to be an awesome Lutheran and you were going to knock it out of the park. There, there's no because. If there is a because, it's a bad because. It's a because he knew that you were going to sin. He knew that you were a sinner. And you needed him to love you. But that's it. And he chooses to honor you. I think, probably especially in our tradition, but probably other expressions of Christianity, other traditions of Christianity, we get this sense that God has come into the world in order to fix us. Hard stop. I I don't think that's right. Because, here's the thing, God... God doesn't just come in order to fix us so that then we can feel shameful about needing to be fixed. You know, God doesn't say, hey, come here and get fixed. And then we get fixed and then we go out into the world and we go and sin and we go, well, maybe I should just stay broken. That's not what God does. God doesn't say, I'm just going to fix you because you're such a screw up. Instead, what God says is, I'm going to fix you. And after that, I'm going to honor you. And we go, no, Lord. I mean, at least in the times that I've been honored, I've felt this way. I go, that's too much, God. You know, that's too much. Please don't honor me in that way. Please don't give me that plaque. Please don't give me that trophy. Please don't give me whatever it is in your life that means that you've been honored. If you've had that experience of of going, that's too much, don't honor me in that way. You're you're kind of recognizing this sense of, well, I, I know that there's bad stuff about me. Maybe you're not seeing this. And, and I shouldn't take that. I shouldn't take that honor. And that's how we treat God sometimes. And God says, shut up. And let me honor you. Let me show you my love. In the midst of whatever might be shameful. In the midst of your smallness that you're ashamed of. In the midst of your poverty that you're ashamed of. In the midst of your broken relationships that you're ashamed of, in the midst of your broken job that you're ashamed of, in the midst of whatever it is that causes you shame, in the midst of your sins that cause you shame, put them down. And let God honor you. Let his word of forgiveness say, I think you are great. And for once, instead of protesting, instead of saying, God, I'm not great. You know that I'm not great. You know everything. Just go, thank you. And receive it. Receive that the almighty God of the universe thinks that you are great 
And he's not even stopping there. He is making you great. He made you great by sending his son in order to die on a cross so that you could be great. He's making you honorable. This isn't just him saying, oh, well, yeah, those sins, whatever, I'm just not going to look at those and I'm going to lie and say that you're honorable. Instead, he's saying, no, I'm making you honorable by that cross so that when we get to the resurrection, we will be able to look back upon our lives and we will be able to see honor. Because the sins will be washed away. So brothers and sisters in Christ, this week is going to be filled with a lot of gifts. A lot of people are going to be giving you stuff and a lot of people are going to be honoring you with those gifts. A lot of people are going to be telling you that they love you, that they honor you, that they Think that you're pretty special. And when they give you those gifts, say thank you. And when you say thank you, remember that God has given you a gift that honors you so much more. And remember to tell him thank you. For he has honored us. Amen.